Hello, my name is Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Will Sloan. And you're listening to the Important Cinema Club. And today, it's a very extra important episode because we're talking about two films that I have loved all my life. First off, that can't be true. <laughs> arguably the best, not even arguably, it is the best action movie of all time. Yeah, sure, I'll buy it. Hard boiled. Yeah. And a film that probably reaches the exact same levels of explosions and bullets. <laughs> Bad Boys 2. Now, why are we doing these two movies? Well, we kind of pick them because on the surface, if you try to explain them to someone, they sound like the same movie. Right. I just, I want to jump in and say that uh, when you say we picked them, uh, you picked them. I don't want any blame. For, <laughs> and I want to jump in and say, I went, hey, Will, maybe we could do Bad Boys 2 in a hard boiled. I don't what? know, maybe. And you jumped on it like a hyena on a piece of meat. What what a liar. This is this is a real Rashomon situation <laughs> here. The, I, I don't remember this at all. So um, when was the first time that you saw Hard Boiled? And for people that don't know, Hard Boiled is a 1992 film directed by John Woo. This is kind of, at the time, was his swan song from Hong Kong because he, he was going to America to make Hard Target. And from what I read... With Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. From what I read, he said that Hard Boiled was made because, one, he wanted to make a dirty, hairy cop-style movie, which he felt he had never really gotten a chance to do. And two, he wanted a demo reel to be able to show to America of what he could do, yeah. which seems crazy to me because he'd been making Hong Kong action movies for almost 10 years at that point. Yeah, I guess he just wanted to put all his best stuff in that in that last one. And the thing is that like Hollywood, they don't care. They don't care like how well choreographed an action scene or something like that. Like that doesn't really sell it to them. So cynical. You don't think they they just want to make the best stuff that they can? <laughs> that Hollywood wants to make the I best mean, stuff. I mean, like just look at Hard Target. You know, great movie, classic <laughs> masterpiece uh, from the Dream Factory. One of the strongest Ted Raimi performances to ever <laughs> grace the screen. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan of a Skinner uh, <laughs> with Tracy Lords, <laughs> the serial killer Ted Raimi film, D- directed by Yvonne Naj, uh, Heidi Fleiss's boyfriend. Who's that, Heidi that, Fleiss? The Hollywood famous Hollywood madam of the 90s oh you gotta read up on this this is this is hollywood history and so we're talking about hard-boiled and that voice too can we do an episode on skinner i've actually never seen it no absolutely not um i was talking to someone about doing bad boys too for the podcast and she was like wait aren't you guys doing like classic movies or movies that have some kind of importance cinematically? Yeah. Well, Bad Boys 2 has some importance cinematically. Actually, one of the reasons why, and like, I guess I'll come clean. I did leap at your idea to do this. And the main reason why I left that was because I've never seen Bad Boys 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to avoid Michael Bay whenever I can. Uh, Is it true that you had a copy on your shelf though? Well, I did because a few months ago, I, somebody had curbed a bunch of DVDs <laughs> I swear to God. And one of them was uh, Bad Boys 2 and one of them was Passion of the Christ. <laughs> Have you watched Passion of the Christ? Well, I mean, I saw it when it came out. I picked it up because I thought, oh, this might be interesting to revisit. And I have not. <laughs> but Bad Boys 2, you finally got a chance to watch it. Yeah. Now, like we were saying, where was the first time that you saw Hard Boiled? Was it like an entry film to Hong Kong cinema for you? Or? Oh, I think I'd probably seen enough Hong Kong cinema. I, I think Jackie Chan is sort of like an entry point for a lot of people. I think I'd even seen, I saw Better Tomorrow before I saw it. But yeah, like Hard Boiled is one of those movies, definitely, when you're like a teenager being, you know, 
being interested in Hong Kong film and, you know, being very sad and lonely. And uh... I, I, I remember, I actually think it was one of the first like pure Hong Kong films, even beyond Jackie Chan. Like, I don't think I've seen any Jackie Chan films. We rented the killer and hard boiled on the same weekend. Wow. And it's funny because me and my brother were kind of obsessed with the movies. Mm-hmm. And if I recall correctly, we ended up, Spend spending all our allowance on getting those Fox Lorber discs that were like $30 at the time. And we split it. And the way that it worked out is, I think that I got the killer and my brother got hard-boiled. And I think that says a lot about our personalities. And I even posted a photo from the movie on Facebook. And my brother was like, I remember going frame by frame over that shot when we watched it. Because something that Hardboiled has is like a real replayability as far as action movies go. Yeah. How well, many times have you seen it? 500 times. Sure. Like, yeah. It's one of those movies that when you want someone like to see a good gunfight, you go and you get the movie Hardboiled. And especially because the climax is 40 minutes of gunfights. And it's a real litmus test because if someone's like, eh, that's okay, you know that they're never going to be interested yeah. in anything from Hong Kong. I remember seeing that that movie, you know, as a teenager and like, I don't know, this is such a banal memory because every teenager who sees Hardboiled has this memory. But it was just like a, a mind altering, life changing experience. Like the, that 40 minute hospital scene made me sweat as a teenager. It was so intense. I, one of the few movie memories uh, that I remember playing it over and over again like that day i had to watch that movie again (laughs) yeah because it was that good now bad boys 2 i also have memories linked to this because i remember it was during the summer and we were camping and we decided to go see a movie in the cinema and my dad picked bad boys 2 why (laughs) i don't know because there's no way that i had seen bad boys 1 at that point and i remember it blowing my mind (laughs) it was the coolest thing that i ever saw now i did a little bit of mental gymnastics um, how old I was. I was probably 13 or 14 when it came out. I was 14 for sure. So maybe I was a little bit older than that. So, yeah. which gives me no excuse. Well, you know, when I was 14, I was already, I already considered myself a bit of a, bit of a cinephile. You oh, know, a really? Bit of, a bit of an esthete, you mm-hmm. might say. So I think at that time I'd already caught on to the uh, popular received wisdom that Michael Bay is not a good filmmaker. So I was very, very much in, and so I never, I didn't, I didn't see Bad Boys 2 until uh, yesterday. <laughs> but you'd heard about it, right? It's gotten oh, kind of a well, cult. Noter- no- well, I've heard that like kind of, I don't know if if it's right to associate this with the vulgar auteur crowd, but the the Michael Bay apologists sort of look to this one as like his definitive statement, the most Michael Bay movie. I'm going to go on record and say that I like Michael Bay as a filmmaker. I like his style with caveats because okay. watching Bad Boys 2 again, I had watched it a few years before and found it incredibly obnoxious all the stuff that i had found kind of cool and thrilling (laughs) when i saw it the first time or the subsequent times on dvd i found just grating and endless because this movie is two hours and 17 minutes yeah which for a sequel to a movie bad boys which at best was a light comedy is insane yeah um and hard-boiled at the same time though is two hours and nine minutes but rewatching it again, I didn't feel any of that. It flows so smoothly in a way that Bad Boys just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about action a lot because that's really what... It's not really the characters or anything like that that attracted to us. So when you think of Michael Bay as a filmmaker, even just watching <laughs> Bad Boys 2, what went through your mind? Well, I try not to think of Michael Bay as a filmmaker. And, you know, this is like this is the thing. This is I'm, I'm a little reluctant to even talk about Michael Bay because I feel like 
you know, I don't want to fall into the received wisdom, the cliche thing of saying Michael Bay sucks because it's so easy. Like Mm -hmm. he's the easiest target. Mm. Um, At the same time, I like I really do hate him. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a reason he is where he is. But why do you hate him? Uh, Because his movies are just like noisy messes Mm -hmm. that make no sense and are unpleasant to watch. (laughs) And the comedy is bad and they're sort of hateful. Don't you (laughs) love all the crazy camera moves and slow motion? I I mean, no, I don't. I I acknowledge that he is a man who has a style. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, not only do I hate his movies, but I really don't like him as a man. Uh, Is that fair to say? Oh, I would completely agree with that. Whenever I see him interviewed, uh, because I... I remember, okay, here's my experience with the oeuvre of Michael Bay. I saw Armageddon on VHS. I saw Pearl Harbor uh, mm. at the time. Uh, theatrically? Uh, no, on DVD. Right? I saw it theatrically. I believe twice. Okay, well, I, I saw it once and that was enough. <laughs> oh, you don't have the director's cut on DVD? I watched, I have it. I I watched the director's cut on DVD. Uh, I saw The Island when I reviewed the DVD mm-hmm. uh, later. And, uh, yeah, I think that... I'd like to point out that Michael Bay thinks that The Island failed as a movie because the climax wasn't big enough. He says that on the commentary track. Well, you know, when I reviewed the DVD for that, I dipped into the Michael Bay commentary, and there's one part set during, like, a club scene, a futuristic club scene, where it's like... And then I was like, to my cinematographer, I was like, have you guys even been to a club in the last five years? (laughs) So you basically are painting Michael Bay as the most aggravating filmmaker working today i find him like just as a man as an artist i find him loathsome what about john woo love john woo hate john woo i i love the john woo movies that i love Mm -hmm. you know that mid-period john woo firing on all cylinders hong kong john woo sure so hard-boiled being the purest form of that kind of talent and style that he had now i should point out that i don't think that hard-boiled is the best film that john woo made i would probably have to give that to the overdramatic glory of the killer specifically melodramatic glory of the killer sure although you know i saw the killer after i saw Mm hard-boiled and like you can't help but like (laughs) but it's like a little bit anticlimactic you know it's like riding the biggest roller coaster but i think that dramatically the killer works for me in ways that hard-boiled does not i agree um do you like Bullet in the Head, his his wacky Vietnam War uh, I drama? I love Bullet in the Head, but I have an anecdote about that. Is that okay. when we started doing private screenings of Laser Blast Film Society, I put aside a whole evening to watch Bullet, uh, Bullet in the Head. And I'm like, you guys are going to love this. It's so fun. And it was the most crushingly depressing experience. That <laughs> film is not fun. That film has tons of gunfights in it. Yeah, and awful like atrocity <laughs> stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like when it ended, people were like, I cannot believe that that just happened. We actually did a podcast on Bull in the Head when we were doing Laser Blast Film Society screenings that you can actually find online. I should link to it as like a bonus to this. Sure. Of the reaction of the people after they watched it. Sure. But I mean, John Woo is a filmmaker who, you know, he really wants to make a musical. Like he wants to make one so bad. Is that actually true? Yes, it is. Okay. He says the musical is his favorite genre. And for a long time in the mid-2000s, he was going to make one with Hugh Jackman. And it just kind of fell through. Oh. And that is definitely seen in his um, the way that he shoots an action scene. And for people that don't know, uh, a little bit of biography on John Woo. He kind of started as an assistant director for Chang Che, the famous Shaw Brothers director. And from then he actually started directing kung fu films that like last hurrah for chivalry which are kind of they're they're good kung fu films but they don't have the style that became um known for him and then he started making comedies to the point that he became known as the king of comedy and that's what 
that was his style. And people would have probably assumed that that's what he would have continued to do until he made A Better Tomorrow. And after that, everything changed. Because once he had imposed that kind of action filmmaking and people had seen it, that's all they wanted to see. Mm-hmm. And so Hard Boiled, like we said, is a summation of that kind of style. And how would you sum up his aesthetic? Melodramatic. Uh-huh. Using film style in an irrealistic way but in a way that completely flows. When we talk about Michael Bay and the kind of stylistic tics that he uses, they all kind of smash together, just butting heads. John Woo, he'll use crazy stuff like freeze frames in the middle of a scene, slow motion going back to normal motion without ever losing the flow of what's happening. I mean, just take the first action scene that takes place in a tea house in Hard Boiled. Any other filmmaker... Like, that is nonsense. Like, you don't know what's going on. Technically, you don't even know who the main players are. And it's not really explained when that scene starts. And it's only through the action that everything starts being defined. Mm-hmm. And, like, when you watch something like that, like, do you feel he has a good handle on action? Uh, yeah, I mean, compared to Michael Bay, I can, <laughs> I can like, tell what's happening. And I, I know what's going on at any given time. Also, you know, it was just funny watching Bad Boys 2 where... Like, Bad Boys 2 is just, like, a pornographically violent movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, you don't feel anything mm-hmm. in it. And and that opening action scene in Hard Boiled, like, you know, the, the tea room actually, like, has some grit to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like a real lived environment. And mm-hmm. as a result, you know, all the action carries more weight. And you start to fear more for the innocent bystanders who are there. I mean, yeah. Everything just carries more weight. I mean, like, if you take Bad Boys 2 and the big gunfight they have when all the cars kind of crash together and the racist Jamaicans come out with machine guns... <laughs> That the geography of that scene is a mess. You don't know what's going on, who's firing that, at that who. That scene actually hurt my eyes when I was watching it. And that's not that's not a joke. It, I, like, my eyes literally hurt from watching it. <laughs> and if you take the tea house, which has, like, what feels like a dozen people shooting at each other, and they haven't even really been established as good guys or bad guys, but you quickly get a sense of what's going on. It's interesting you bring that up because... I feel like in Bad Boys 2, we're kind of thrown headfirst into what the plot is. And, you know, forgive me, I've never seen Bad Boys 1. And at the rate I'm going, I I never will see Bad Boys 1. But I I feel like in Bad Boys 2, I never quite figured out who these two bad boys are, like what their relationship is to each other exactly. What is the bond that unites them? What Like, who is anyone? The movie, like, I just didn't know who anyone was and why they were doing what they were doing. Which is funny because in Hard Boiled, it be- quickly becomes clear, like, Charing Fat is a police officer. He's a Dirty Harry type. Yeah. He loves jazz music, uh, where he goes to a bar that John Woo is the bartender at. Yeah. And he has all these hopes and things that he wants. Like, he wants a new apartment. He wants the girl at the office to kind of like him more than she does. Well, in Bad Boys too, you're like, what are Martin Lawrence and Will Smith doing? Well, they're just... They're just awful people, first of all. They're they're terrible psychopaths who I hate. They they only speak to each other in terms of kind of leaden banter and later on when there's the scene where they cry in each other's arms and they're like bad boys we ride together we die together it's like well what the what what is this like am I actually did they actually have a real relationship and like what what do they like you could take any 30 minutes of this movie and just cut it out and it would have no impact like and it's it cuts it's just alternates between big awful action scenes and these kind of comedy bits 
that add nothing to anything. And these comedy bits are actively offensive. I, I hate them. In a way yeah. that, like, only the best of Hong Kong, <laughs> Wong Jing-style comedy could deliver. Like, them seemingly being gay is a big comedy bit. Mm. To the point that an angry black woman is like... I don't want to do a funny voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, uh, don't let my babies hear this. Like, it's awful. If I could, like, sum up Michael Bay's sense of humor in two words, it would be no homo. That, <laughs> that, that's Michael Bay to me. And that's why I know that his film Pain and Gain mm. was a bit of a cause celeb among... I'm a big fan of Pain and Gain. Right, I haven't seen it. And yeah. the reason I haven't seen it is because I, I know Michael Bay's sense of humor, and I don't relish the idea of a Michael Bay comedy. But I think that the thing about Pain and Gain that makes it work is that Michael Bay's style is a perfect melding to the story because Pain and Gain is about people who think they're awesome but they're big fucking losers. Uh But Michael Bay shoots it like they're awesome (laughs) which makes it even funnier. Now, is he in on the joke? Probably not. He's Michael Bay. Yeah, and I mean, I've seen him in interviews and stuff and I don't want to support that man. (laughs) (laughs) What if that's all like an Andy Kaufman shit? Then... Great. That's amazing that he has been able to marshal these resources. Have you ever read about Michael Bay when he was first coming up in the music video industry? And that he was part of propaganda, I believe, with people like David Fincher. And that Michael Bay would just sit in the screening room and watch all the music videos of his peers. And then go out and just imitate them almost shot for shot. All he wanted to be was liked by the people that he was working with. And to create something that they would think was as cool as what they were doing. Interesting. Because when you look at Michael Bay, the first thing I don't think is jock. The first thing I think of is a nerd. Who wants to be a job? Yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. <laughs> and he always has this kind of defensive quality when he talks about his work. Because, you know, somebody who is that uh, as in need of validation as you say he is. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe. But but definitely taking his critical bric-a-bats, mm. bric brats whatever that word is. I've never said that in my life. <laughs> has? Uh, well, yeah, like the c- critics have definitely hated his movies. And he's always kind of has this defensive posture of, well, I don't make my movies for critics. I make my movies for the public. And the question is... Do the public like his movies? Now I'm talking about like the garbage people that you like to say go to movies and don't know what they're about to see. <laughs> uh, I don't recall ever saying that. Although that is 98% of the film going audience. So <laughs> I clearly they outnumber us. Yes. So yes, they do like I him. mean, there's four Transformer films. And yeah. no one's going to argue that those films... I remember... Being... I, I have met people who would argue that they liked them. I mean, they may be some of those garbage people, though. <laughs> Um, I remember seeing the first Transformer in theaters being so excited because at the time I kind of loved Michael Bay and the kind of style he would bring the film. Transformers is going to be awesome. I fell asleep an hour and 30 minutes in. I had a roommate who made me watch it. This was the summer that Transformers 2 came out and he was so high on uh, Transformers 2. He Wait, he was high on Transformers 2? He loved That's it. one of the worst movies well, I've ever seen acor- in my life. According to my summer roommate, it was, and I quote, literally on par with The Dark Knight. <laughs> unquote uh and so he made me watch transformers one and it was just a an awful experience just a just a nightmare really yeah but going back to bad boys 2 i want to talk about when you're comparing it to hard-boiled we talked about how the leads you have no idea what's going in bad boys yeah. 2 but how about how sympathetic they are as characters because when action is happening right you usually have to care about what's going on which is a weird thing to say about hong kong films because a lot of hong kong films especially action movies live in a kind of bubble where Mm -hmm. you can watch the you know the fight scene out of everything that's going on and understand what's going on well you know in hard-boiled i feel like 
it's redeemed somewhat by this, but it has a moral code in mm. its center. There's the scene where Chow Yun Fat sees Tony Leung on his yacht, and uh, Tony is making these paper cranes for everyone he kills. It's like you know you can say that's simplistic or whatever, but it gives the movie just a fundamental like respect for human life, mm-hmm. or the characters have a fundamental respect for it. Even though that when they shoot people, they shoot them like thirty oh, times. Yeah, yeah, but it's like or later in the movie when. Uh, Tony Lung accidentally shoots a cop. Mm-hmm. Like you feel that shot. Like mm-hmm. they they actually care somewhat. And, and they kind of take a beat to talk about it. Yeah, that's right. And in, and in fact, that's followed by one of the most celebrated stylistic passages of the movie, which is that long unbroken shot where mm-hmm. the two of them go on the elevator and then upstairs and they kind of debrief about this and you know, they're they're kind of freaking out about having shot a cop. Even to be a spoil sport, that shot has a lot of hidden cuts. I in know, it. I know, I know. But but I bring that up because Bad Boys 2 is full of like gimmicky stylistic kind of shots. Nonsense, yeah, yeah. For, for no reason. Whereas that shot in Hard Boiled is to emphasize the moment and to sort of be with the characters in that moment and just take a breath and mm-hmm. meditate on what we've just seen. Well, Bad Boys 2, the shot that spins around the room when they're fighting the Jamaicans. <laughs> I, what kind of, you know, uh, thematic resonance does that have? Uh, it, yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> but I remember when I saw it the first time, I loved that shot. Sure. <laughs> but watching it now, I'm like, why are they fighting? these people and that scene has some nasty unmotivated violence too yeah and you know the the two characters in bad boys too they seem again they seem like loathsome people who don't care about anyone like like the scene where they that's a ripoff of police story where they drive their cars through a shantytown village yeah but they um you know they start that scene was going <laughs> yeah. it's a crack den they just cried they make... I, a, a line that is like shoehorned in i think probably after test screenings which makes it all the better because it makes it all better because you can see that there are like children's laundry <laughs> and kids playing stickball or whatever <laughs> so it's okay to run them over because their parents are crack dealers. And which brings up motivation of things. Because in Bad Boys 2, I have no idea what all this carnage is motivated by. They want to get drug dealers, I guess? Yeah, they're. I think they're bad cops because good cops don't <laughs> kill that many people and cause that much damage. Yeah, who's the uh, who's their chief? Their uh, um, Joey Pants. Yeah, J- Joey Pants. Uh, when when he comes on, he's like, guys, you you can't destroy Miami or you know whatever. Sympathy. And the thing is, the scene, I'm in sympathy with him totally. <laughs> the scene that preceded that, where they just chased a bunch of people that stole drugs. Yeah, they killed like a hundred people. Yeah, you see innocent people being gunned down. Yeah. And I'm sure uh, if you ask Michael Bay about it, he's like, oh, yeah, I want to show the collateral damage that happens in these kind of gunfights. But then there's no like it's never brought up again. They they don't even get suspended or anything like that. Yeah, they're awful. I mean, the drug dealers are causing not nearly as much (laughs) awful damage as they are. If anything, all we see that the drug dealers do is kill a bunch of douchebags doing X and (laughs) fancy club. Who cares? Yeah. yeah. You know what? (laughs) I agree. And. You know, that club scene is like Michael Bay at his noxious worst, where like women are treated as nothing but objects. Mm. And I mean, as a point of comparison, John Woo doesn't really treat women that much better in the sense that they don't really have a place in his films. Yeah. While Michael Bay treats them as, I don't know, like there's a main female character in Bad Boys 2 who is treated like a prop that has no um, she has no opinion of her own that mm-hmm. she's dating Will Smith and Will Smith doesn't want to tell Martin Lawrence and I, what, like why won't he just tell him what a, oh, what a stupid subplot that is because it doesn't even it doesn't even mean anything it's like it has no 
it's like every scene in the in Bad Boys Two is its own little self-contained island that has no impact on any other scene, and then eventually it ends. So what you're trying to say is that it's like a Hong Kong film where if you take the seeds out of the context of their feature-length running time, maybe that's how Michael Bay one day is going to sit back and go, "That's how the movies were." Supposed I mean, the to be difference watched. between Michael Bay and like a good Hong Kong movie is that I hate all the scenes in in Bad Boys Two. Like, do you remember that that scene where they're in a morgue? Yes, and they're they're like cutting open dead bodies and heads are falling off like what what why is that even in the movie <laughs> well because they're looking for the drugs will uh, and you need yeah. a little bit of comedy to uh oh yeah good stuff make the violence that, that that's that's michael bay's kind of comedy like dead bodies with their heads falling off i bet he like picked the wings off <laughs> moths and stuff as a kid well you don't think john woo you know hurt small animals because his films are violent uh, like really violent. in in real life john woo is a peace-loving man is he not didn't he like uh, consider going to the seminary yes he did yes that was one of the th- yeah um and i mean john Woo as a person supposedly loves guns but he hates violence chowing fat hates guns but loves violence <laughs> 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 I, I set Will up for that and he went right yeah, for it. Yeah. And we should talk about the climax of Hard Boiled because that's probably the most famous thing of the movie, right? Yeah, and it's how great. long it is and how acrobatic. How, how do you how do you think it works? Because that's a mystery to me how he's able to sustain it for 40 minutes. Watching it again, I kind of like start timed when the action starts or from my memory when it started. And it does have kind of peaks and valleys. Mm. The thing about something like Bad Boys 2 is that once the action starts, it's unrelenting and you just go numb and it's all coming yeah. in. Like that big freeway chase in Bad Boys yeah. 2, which is what it's famous for for one has no impact on anything yeah they don't even catch the bad guys the bad guys just make it away yeah yeah and that's it while um hard-boiled and every kind of action scene feels a little bit different whether it be when they start the action scene and they're using silencers and sneaking around or they pretend to be a bad guy to take down the other bad guys Mm -hmm. or when it you know, it's one against everyone. It always feels, you know, varied. While Bad Boys 2 never has that. And he's carrying a baby, so it kind of like, it, it kind of lightens the mood a little at times. <laughs> a little bit of comedy in there. But at the same time... There's, there are also so many kind of like spinning plates in the air during the, the hard-boiled one. Because they're, you know, they're the babies and there are various innocent bystanders. They're who, always... Who do who, get mowed down a lot of the movie. And you, and you feel it. Yes, you do. You know, when the innocent bystanders at the hospital get killed. And John Woo, the action in Hard World is so good. I was talking about this, Will, before we started recording. As a movie fan, I just want John Woo to do more of this. And is that too much to ask from him? Because, like, he made Hardboiled. What else does he have to do? Well, I wonder if you could even make a movie like Hardboiled anymore. Like, is the is the infrastructure even in place for it? Are the stuntmen or the... Or could you even make a movie that violent in China now? I mean, John Woo complained a lot, even at that time when he came to do Hard Target, that he would have a stuntman get shot 30 times, and the studio would be like, oh, no, he can only be shot three times. Yeah. Or he would complain that the stuntmen would open their eyes when they went through glass. And he was like, if this was Hong Kong, we would fire them. If they did that. <laughs> so there's just more that's expected from like the Hong Kong stuntmen at that time. And the funny thing is, is that when you talk about films from that era that John Woo was making, you expect them to be like quick and fast movies shot from the hip. But that's not true at all. Like Hard Boiled took forever to make. It took months and months and months to get together mm-hmm. because... You know, that kind of filmmaking. And Michael Bay is one of those guys, to bring it back to him, that he loves to be like, we do 80 setups a day. Yeah. 
And it's like, you're so full of shit. I know you watched some of the production diaries on the DVD. Uh, <laughs> of Bad Boys 2? Yes, yeah, I did. Yeah, do you remember the scene where, the one where he's talking about making Bad Boys 1, and it's just all these heroic stories about Michael Bay saved the day during Bad Boys 1? It was like, the studio didn't want to make this scene. And I was like, guys, you have to make this scene. This is a, ch- I will write you a check right now to make this scene. I, I mean, Michael Bay, he just comes off as kind of arrogant and obnoxious. Yeah. I mean, I've heard tons of stuff. That story recently happened. He has that new Benghazi movie coming <laughs> out, <laughs> which me and Will are going to see together. I actually am a little bit excited for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a story of going to the studio head and saying, I need $10 million to finish this movie the way it needs to be finished and the studio head is like nope we're not giving you that money then michael bay looked out the window and they were naming a street after him on the lot and he's like oh you named street after me but you won't give me that 10 million dollars i'm gonna take a photo of those repairmen putting up that sign i'm gonna tweet it and say what just happened and he's like and i got that money i don't believe that story at all (laughs) i i i think i think 10 million dollars i i would not pay 10 million dollars to stop a a a pissy tweet (laughs) (laughs) but i mean the thing is people keep going to see michael bay movies like the transformers Uh films are ridiculously profitable ironically in china where they make all their money while hard-boiled bombed at the box office so did the killer like john woo was box office poison by the time he went to hollywood Mm -hmm. although a better tomorrow of course was Was uh, a huge hit that was like the one that brought him Mm -hmm. over the top which on A Better Tomorrow, I love A Better Tomorrow. It's a really great introduction to John Woo's style of cinema because it's not as over-the-top as Hardboard, which people can get a little bit overwhelmed with. But A Better Tomorrow 2 has almost a bad boys, two-ish style <laughs> level of action at the end. And they're like twin brothers and stuff, yeah. <laughs> because supposedly John Woo really didn't want to make it. Uh-huh. And Tour Hark is like, contractually, you have to make it. And he's like, fine, I'll give you what you want. And that's what the Better Tomorrow 2 is, which is like John Woo giving two middle fingers and giving the most overtop version of his style. While in A Better Tomorrow 3, which was directed by the producer Troy Hark, it's a prequel starring Charing Fat, because Charing Fat keeps dying in those movies, <laughs> so they have to figure out ways to bring him back, where it's a woman that teaches him all his cool style and to mm. wear a trench coat and glasses and stuff like oh, that. Oh, very Batman Begins. Yes. Yeah. I should check that out. But like we're talking about the wonder years of John Woo. What do you how do you feel about like when he went to Hollywood and the subsequent movies that he made after that? I mean, Hard Target is kind of fun, uh, but I mean, compared to Hard Boiled, it pales. Yeah. And I feel like there was a general sense when people like him and Jackie Chan were coming over to Hollywood at the time. There was the sense of, oh, well, you know, they did all this amazing stuff in Hong Kong. Now let's see what they can do with Hollywood money. Mm. And, you know, it really didn't. I, I mean, the movies that John Woo made in Hollywood are sort of like crap Hollywood movies with a bit of John Woo style. Are you a fan of Face Off? No, not really. Oh, really? I, I know that's a bit of an unpopular opinion. I think it's over long, and I, I, I enjoy John Travolta and Nick Cage's performances, as mm-hmm. one does. I think it's a little bloated, and I think it pales in comparison to any of uh, uh, his Hong Kong ones. And I think the plot is dumb, not always in a good way. That's the thing, is that when you compare him to the Hong Kong work, there'll always be pale imitations. Yeah. I think Face Off is probably the closest that he got yeah. to his kind of Hong Kong style of action cinema. Also, I feel like his his aesthetic became sort of self-parody in Hollywood. Mm. It just didn't quite work when it was Je- uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme in the trench coat in slow motion, or... or- 
Tom Cruise on the on the motorcycle in slow motion. And let's not forget Ben Affleck. Which I never saw. Paycheck. Oh, you've never seen Paycheck? No. Why should I? <laughs> it's not good. Uh, how about, uh, did you like uh, Red Cliff? Uh, I really like Red Cliff. I only saw the butchered American cut. Which the Ball. editor of Hard Boiled and Red Cliff re-edited the international version. Hmm. He says he actually likes that version better. Oh, okay. Than the two movie version, which I, he feels is a little overlong. I remember finding it kind of like a sta- very standard kind of Chinese super production. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a scene with a dove. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing that, you know, you have to consider now is that John Woo just can't make the movies that he used to make because of the state that China is. Mostly for moral reasons. Yeah. Is that Chinese censors are really hard on that. While back in 1992, Wu could just tack on an ending where the bad guys get killed or the kind of anti-heroes get killed. Now the whole movie has to, you know, be in that box. He might also not want to make those kind of movies anymore. Maybe he's just an older man now who likes stately costume epics. <laughs> I mean, the last movie he made in Hong Kong was a uh, two-parter called The Crossing, which is supposed to be China's Titanic. It was not well received. I'm not interested in that. And I'm kind of resigned to John Woo being done for me. Oh, really? You think that he's given you everything that he can give you? Yeah, I think so. Maybe he'll have a decent movie on kind of as a journeyman director. I think I'd resign him being a journeyman from now on. And there might be decent movies to come, but I don't think anything will capture my heart. Like, Would you be interested in a John Woo musical? Yes, I would. <laughs> That's the one thing that you'd be like, I'd be there day and day. Yeah, I would actually be there. I, his movies are basically musicals as is. Mm-hmm. Like the way that the violence happens in a balletic way, which I remember when I would show the films to my friends, a lot of them would be like, I don't like that. That's not realistic. Like they'd have to reload mm-hmm. their guns and stuff like that. And you just want to yell at them. You're like, That's it insane. doesn't matter. Do, it they doesn't a- matter. do they ask that question in a James Bond movie? I'm sure some people do. Yeah, wow. Well. And it's that kind of like... You need to do that suspension of disbelief. As long as the film sets up its own rules that it follows, mm-hmm. like anything goes. Mm-hmm. While going back to Michael Bay and Bad Boys 2. Love him. One of the issues that I had as far as the action working in the movie <laughs> is that Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are never in any danger at all. Yeah, they're so cocky, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. very, very arrogant. None of them breaks a sweat. And why can we believe that Charing Fat could do all these crazy flips and stuff like that? But when I see Martin Lawrence's stunt double do it, <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good question. Because uh, Martin Lawrence does a lot of flips. The, the, John, movie... the John Woo characters show like some more, a little bit more vulnerability, I think, mm-hmm. which which helps. While Bad Boys 2 has none of that, which means the yeah. action scenes don't work. You because... remember the scene in Bad Boys 2 where uh, uh, a guy's come over to go on a date with Martin Lawrence's daughter yes and then the two of them terrorize this poor man at and the not door. even in like a funny way no in, just... in a really unpleasant way and they keep saying the n-word over and over again and it may like is is the entire creative team aside from them white <laughs> yeah i think so yeah yeah I, yeah I didn't like that do you think michael bay as two white guys talking here we can take offense with that well listen i'm not if someone wants to contradict me on this then they can <laughs> i know i know that it made me uncomfortable i do you think michael bay is in a position where no one's saying no to him yeah and that's why these movies are the way they are well i think it's possible maybe on budgetary reason i know sometimes he works with steven spielberg as a producer and i'm sure (laughs) steven spielberg is a man of strong opinions do you think steven spielberg is like uh michael i don't think you could do this because michael bay's if there's one thing that is a constant in all bay's films they're really racist uh yeah like the the kind of jive talking uh transformers (laughs) for instance yep uh, I bet Michael Bay is the kind of guy who's like, yeah, I just don't see race. 
You think that's what happens? Yeah. Like the two robots and Transformers or, 2? Or he's probably like the kind of guy who's kind of like, yeah, yeah, we don't need political correctness. That's the modern day fascism. <laughs> no homo, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you think Michael Bay's career is going, though, from here? Do you think he'll continue to make more Transformer movies? Oh, sure, probably. If the Benghazi one doesn't do well, then he'll probably just make another franchise Or do you one. think that Benghazi could lead to more of an Oscar-winning, you know, no. crowd populate? no. If Pearl Harbor couldn't do it, then I don't I don't think Benghazi will. <laughs> what did you think of Pearl Harbor though when you saw it? I thought it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Even as like a 16, 17 year old? Yeah, it was it was it was garbage. I mean it's just so self-evidently garbage. <laughs> I remember being charmed by Pearl Harbor when I saw it. I liked uh, Roger Ebert's line that he started the review with where it was uh, uh, Pearl Harbor tells the story of a day in nineteen forty one when Japan launched an invasion on uh, American Love Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> So you see no future for Michael Bay. No future making good movies. <laughs> Plenty of future making bad now, movies. what will you say that if he makes a movie that you unabashedly love? I'll say, hey, I'll hand it to him. I'll say, that's great. Good job. <laughs> you won't be like, click, like, you win, babe. <laughs> no, I won't kill. I would I would welcome a good movie from him. I like to think I'm open-minded. I like to think people can change. What if Bay was like, Will, I promise to make you a movie. But to do that, you have to come see every movie I make. No, I don't care that much. <laughs> There are lots of good movies out there, and if he makes one and I miss it, that's fine. So what you're trying to say is that Michael Bay and John Woo are in the same place for you. Is that you have no interest in their career from this point on? Uh, yes, with the caveat that I would I would probably rather watch <laughs> any future John Woo movie than any future Michael Bay movie. And as far... I'm not against watching future John Woo movies. Yes. I'm just not excited about it. <laughs> and we didn't actually bring up the kind of style of filmmaking that Hard Boiled has and Bad Boys 2. Because Hard Boiled and Bad Boys 2 on paper are almost the same. Quick cuts and like a lot of action happening at once. But I'm sure if we had Boardwell and Thompson in here, they could lay out like all the times the Bad Boys 2 violates the various rules of composition. It's in the production diaries that are on the DVD. <laughs> there is a very specific moment where it's like the directors of the diaries are going, listen, these movies are shit and they're not well edited. Where you see them do a shot of a gun being pulled out of someone's uh, shirt and pointed at Martin Lawrence. And you see him do it a bunch of times. And then in a subtitle it says... They used 14 frames of this in the movie. And then you see in the movie, it actually stops and go, did you, did you miss it? <laughs> well, that's the thing about Michael Bay. He's always like challenging your perceptions. I know that there are people who have done defenses of Michael Bay as kind of an innovative editor and someone with a, you know, who breaks a lot of rules and creates his own aesthetic. And, and I think those people are just wasting their time. Like watch a good movie instead. <laughs> but what about The Rock? I love The Rock. The the actor of The Rock? Dwayne, Dwayne, I love Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock, the Rock Johnson, Johnson. But I also love Michael Bay's oh, The Rock. Oh, I thought you were talking about Pain and Game. <laughs> so what is your position on that? That I've, is arguably his. I have never seen it. You've never seen it? Yeah. So maybe you'll see it and be like, man, that's fantastic. Well, everyone says that it's, you know, all the people whose opinions I respect say that it's his best movie. So. Okay. But I don't, I, I, I still think that I would only like it so much, even <laughs> if I liked it. This podcast feels like it's been filled with so much bile and hate <laughs> over Michael Bay. I, you, you gotta understand, I just watched Bad Boys 2. I'm still like shaken from the experience. But in a, even a more broader sense, like what would you recommend? Like what do you like as action movies? Because maybe the people listening are like, he just doesn't understand it. Yeah. He doesn't understand what Bay is going on. Well, I do have a lot of hate in my heart just ge <laughs> just generally. I'm, I'm a very vile and angry man. <laughs> so like, but I mean, you have your bonafide. You like Jackie Chan. You like John Woo. I would say like my, my taste in action sort of like overwhelmingly goes to like 
Hong Kong movies mm. of that period. Well, I mean, Hong- and and in terms of uh, stuff that I enjoy, even though it's not very good, uh, of course, I enjoy any sort of Arnold Schwarzenegger or '80s Stallone movie or Steven Seagal or any of that garbage that everyone enjoys. <laughs> I mean, let's make a controversial statement right here. No one has done action cinema better than Hong Kong ever. I agree. Yes. <laughs> Well, and Michael Bay seems to be chasing that ghost of Hong Kong cinema without ever really understanding what's going on. I recently watched Wind Talkers a few years ago. I don't know if you've seen that. No, I haven't seen that. Yeah. That's a film I love Mm -hmm. only because it's so dumb and it feels like someone explained to John Woo what like Saving Private Ryan was. (laughs) And he's like, okay, I get it. You know, they're doing flips and stuff like that. And it's really overdramatic. And Christian Slater gets his head cut off by a samurai sword. And yeah, no, no, I understand. And when you watch that movie, it's basically a Hong Kong film in the melodramatic plot of those World War II movies that were coming out around then, like Hearts War. Yeah, I wonder if that movie was supposed to be an Oscar kind of movie. Oh, I feel like it was. Because it was a huge production. It was released in the dead of, like in kind of like August or something Mm -hmm. uh, as as sort of a wannabe summer blockbuster. By that same respect, I feel like Michael Bay, especially with stuff like Bad Boys 2, He's go, looking at John Woo's films and he's like, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't quite understand like what makes those movies so special. Yeah. And why they work so well. So you're not excited for Bad Boys 3 then? Is that coming? Yeah. Oh, I think I did see that. Michael Bay keeps yeah. threatening it. And something that we actually didn't bring up for either film, probably because they're the weakest aspect, is I, the it, scripts. Yeah, who cares? Uh, well, you know. Th- these but movies... you know who wrote Hardboard 2 and it was his final script. Who? It was um, the guy who wrote all of Jackie Chan's films in his heyday. Okay. Uh, Barry Wong. I didn't even know this movie's had scripts. <laughs> hard, hard, Hardboiled is a, is a fine script. It's yeah, it's fine. Accurate. It's yeah. very, you know. Gets it, the job done. And it's not, you know, overlong. There's no bad comedy scenes in it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, scripts don't really matter for these movies, but structure does. While Hardboiled has a great structure, Bad Boys 2 has a super shitty structure. Yes. So at the end of the day, if you were going to thematically sum up what we talked about today, it's that you hate Michael Bay. Yeah, if I could like, if you want something to put on my tombstone, (laughs) I would put that. Although, you know, now that you mentioned Bad Boys 3, I'm a little bit intrigued by the fact that it's like, it's like the before sunrise, before sunset movies where it seems like every 10 years there's a, there's a new Bad Boys movie and you get to, you get to catch up with these characters. (laughs) You think the personalities will have changed? Because like, Martin Lawrence looks sad and old now. I, you know, have you seen Big Mama's House 3? Yes, I have. What? I was, I was a film critic. I reviewed it. Yeah. How many stars did you give it? Uh, I reviewed it for publication where I did not have to give it a star. (laughs) If you had to, what would it be? One. (laughs) Like it's a tar- it's a terrible movie. Okay, so on your tombstone you want I hate Michael Bay. No, I don't want anything about Big Mamas <laughs> on, on my tombstone. That was not a defining chapter of my life. Well, Michael Bay did not direct Big Mamas three. Yeah, and that is to his credit. <laughs> and that note, my name is Justin. <laughs> my name is Will. Thanks for listening. <laughs>